visual stimulus, just music and TV and noise going the whole time, or it's visual stimulus, it's just these things being fired at us constantly. And we bring these things into our home and establish them there. And so there just isn't any space or time left for the quietness where we can actually really hear God speak. And this is a trap that we fall into all the time. Uh, Even the idea with the band that we need to come here to a space like this to have the band play slow worship songs so in that space that we can actually encounter God. The trap is thinking that we need music at all. Music can be a powerful tool, but God doesn't need it to connect with us and we shouldn't need it to connect with him either. Sometimes a song can even get in the way. As I said, I like songs because they help us, I think, to, to soak up truth and to remember it. And it's also a wonderful biblical principle to lift our praise and declaration to God. But the problem with, with a song is that well, we're singing. We're talking. We're making noise. And so there is very rarely any space for God to say anything bad. And so even though he wants to reach out to us and he wants to speak, we take up all the space. We take up all the room. And so we can come and we can think we've had a wonderful prayer time and a wonderful worship time, but all we've done is sing songs and talk at God for a while how can we actually receive what he has for us unless we turn something off? Silence is, for some reason, it's so awkward. What in us makes it awkward? I'm feeling it now. I kind of wanted to start playing guitar softly in the background just to fill it somehow. But I know if Dave started playing guitar now, I'd be appreciating the nice arpeggios he's playing. I'd like the melody that comes through those notes he's choosing and that would start to stimulate my thinking again. And I wouldn't be tuning into what God wants to say right now in this place. And I do it all the time. I need, I know that we need, to give God a chance to say something back. Mother Teresa had, from what I understand, a very deep and intimate prayer life. And her thoughts on the subject are profound. She says... Before you speak, it is necessary for you to listen, for God speaks in the silence of the heart. And she said, prayer is not asking. Prayer is putting oneself in the hands of God at his disposition and listening to his voice in the depth of our hearts. We need to start to learn to pray with our ears instead of our mouth. 
And this, I think, is certainly going to be a discipline for me because I, don't, I wouldn't find, I don't find this naturally easy. But I kind of find that my prayer time lasts as long as I have things to say. And when I've run out of things to say, suddenly all the things I need to do, I become very mindful of those. And so it's over. And I move on. The discipline that I believe Rob Bell was trying to communicate through this message is that just like Jesus modelled, we need to find in our lives space and sacrifice some of the things we might have been doing and giving our time to to give God some space to speak to us and spend some time with us. So Jesus goes to solitary places to, to pray away from the stimulus and the nagging and confusion and complaining of the disciples just so that he could be with God. And in that space, away from the noise, he could hear his father speak. And I know that we've all encountered it and God can find a way to get a message through to us. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about experiencing God in our lives all the time and growing in relationship. I don't know if you ever have in your life experienced dating or anything else. If you've been on a date and the person you're with, and this can even just be just hanging out with a friend, and they talk the whole time. They talk. Every now and then you think, oh, I have something I could respond to that, or oh, I've got a story like that too. But you never get a word in because they're talking at you the whole time. Do you think there might be times where God might feel like that? What I want to suggest is we have a look at our prayer life, such as it is, and try to build in the awkward expression of silence and giving God a chance to speak back, stilling our minds and our hearts as we trust in his faithfulness and know that he is with us and then see what he has to say. I think it's going to be an interesting experiment, something that I'm trying to work through at the moment. But I know that something has to change. We need to learn to pray with our ears. Let's try another meditation.
go to Jerusalem and wait. Wait for the Holy Spirit. And so they did. And what they experienced was the most phenomenal outpouring of the Holy Ghost. of fire appeared above their heads tongues across the room 3,000 came to salvation that day in the presence of anointed Holy Spirit preaching 
what the disciples prepared to do was to be obedient and to be patient and so they waited waiting is another thing that we find very hard to do the culture that has grown up around us and we are part of is is a fast culture our food is fast our internet needs to be fast we need our movies to be delivered to our door fast everything needs to be delivered quickly we can't wait but God would like us to wait Patience patience is a virtue which he demonstrates every day in his patience with us. It turns out that good things do come to those who wait. And I know in my prayer times, in my encounters with God, I have given up too easily because I didn't get the result I expected within the time frame I expected it. I expected a tap I could turn on bang, I'd get exactly what I wanted. I'd get an answer. I'd get some kind of feeling that he's with me and that I have his favour. My impatience is another of my major stumbling blocks. I can't wait. And because I can't wait, I don't get what he has for me. So Lord, my next prayer for us all here is that you would build patience into our characters. Patience that is built on your faithfulness. Patience that is built on trusting you and knowing that you come through and knowing that you do what you say you'll do. Lord, I pray you'd grow patience in us that you would grow an eager expectation of what you are going to do, Lord, and what you are going to say. And that expectation would grow and help us to stay the course.
spending time in his presence. And I'm so encouraged when I hear story after story of of people who have had amazing encounters with God and, and stories of people who it's not something different or full on, it's something which is a daily thing for them and it's a normal part of their life. And it's been such a challenge and a, a growth curve for me coming to the rock. And as a worship leader, I, I am so encouraged to see people encountering God and I've got to say there are times when I covet the experiences I see others happening. What I want to know is, you know, what's your secret? Because I know a lot of the time when I'm up here, I'm mindful of the craft of it all. Thinking about the guitar and what to play or the words and what's supposed to be sung. I'm thinking about the dynamics. I'm thinking, we're doing the right thing. Is this where God is going? What's the volume like in the room? All these kind of things and what I can miss out on. Is just spending time with my God and missing the encounter that is available. And as I said earlier, this, this isn't actually about, about the meeting. It's not about a worship service. This is about encountering God. One thing I was aware as I was pulling parts of this, this service together is that there are so many testimonies here of people who have found God and are finding God and an intimate encounter with him all the time. And what I wanted, if we could just unearth some of those stories today, because I know that I can learn so much from so many of you out there. Chris, who was preaching this morning, dropped a lot of truth bombs, and one of these was that there is not a formula for entering God's presence. There's not a formula for breaking through and recognizing that he is there and encountering him. God meets people in a myriad of different ways. And what I'd love tonight is if we could just grab some of those. And as you feel led, if you could come and share, and please, if you just honor this time and just speak to, to these questions, but how was it that you encounter God? How do you break through the mindset that holds Him at bay? How does He meet you so that we can learn from your experience? Because I know a lot of us are struggling in this and it might be that the path you take really would work for us in the way that we're made. So, um, so yeah, there's a microphone up the front. If you want to come and share how it is that you meet with God, I know that that would really edify so many other people here. So that's, um, that's what we're going to do now. How is it that that you encounter God? How does He meet you, or how do you prepare yourself uh, and strip away whatever mindsets so that you can encounter Him? Probably the um, how do I encounter God? I do it moment by moment. It's uh, the phrase stuck in my head from John G. Lake Ministries or John G. Lake himself was practicing the presence of God and in my uh, I'm an engineer and even in my day to day I'll 
sit down with the maths that I have to do, with the engineering I have to do, and say, God, let's create together. Or, um, or I'll see something which is clearly the language of the Holy Spirit where there's an unusual repetition where uh, I remember one day I encountered a scripture through various people and in that moment I just went, oh, that's you, Holy Spirit. And so I celebrate those little things as well as the big things where I pray for somebody and suddenly they get healed. How do I get rid of the mindsets? Well, um, for me, pain is a big part of uh, a big thing I have to work through. And there are times where I just don't feel like my my emotions don't make make it conducive to really come into the presence of God. And so there are times where I make myself worship. Um, Psalm 34, his praise shall continually be on my lips. And I made a covenant with my lips basically saying, I will praise him, I don't care how I feel. And as I praise him and praise him and praise him, suddenly my soul connects with the presence of God, the Holy Spirit, and suddenly there is a definite breakthrough where I go from that um, decision to worship him to suddenly he empowers it and, and it becomes easy to worship. So little things and big things I, I experience him just in the day-to-day, you know, driving down the street and he'd remind me of something and I'll celebrate that with him. And then there's the bigger things where I'll make myself come into his presence to worship him regardless of what, in the good times but also in the bad times too, he's my place of refuge. such as a prayer meeting um, I wish I could really do this at home a bit more so again this is something that tonight's really impacted on me I really need to practice this presence at home but when I enter an atmosphere of faith like a prayer meeting usually in the when I'm being still God will drop a verse chapter or something like that in my mind and I start to read it and then when I read it out it's just like a chain reaction you know, that that triggers something inside me and then another verse or scripture or whatever will drop into my mind and, and then it just seems to build up like a chain reaction and Usually by the end of the, the prayer meeting, I'm just totally high as a kite. So, yeah, so really, um, but when I'm at home with the computer, with the TV, um, the cassette deck, the CD player, I, I just find no presence at all. So, yeah, basically I just need to learn to shut up and let God speak.
something so amazing, I think. And if I think back of my own life, how God interfered in my life, or in our life for that matter, it's something so special. We go back to the war, the Great War. It was in the autumn of 1944. The Allied forces had gone too far, bridged too far cut off the supply lines to the major cities and we were dying of starvation and I got so angry I got so angry if there ever was a God why do we have to go through this I hate you I want nothing to do with you ever anymore I was 17 at that time at the age of 53 a friend approached me he said will you do me a favor well, he'd done me so many favors, so I said, yes, what do you want me to do? He said, come to a full gospel businessman's meeting with me. I said, oh, no, no, not that, no. But I had said yes, so I had to go. And I came among a bunch of weird people, very weird people. And I was so glad when it was all over, I couldn't get fast enough out of that place here. And the next day, he said, my friend said, you come with me tonight again? I said, no, Bill, once was enough. And I went back to the Auckland police station. I was doing my reports there. And the inner voice said to me, you're going to the meeting? No way, no way, not among those weirdos. Don't even know where it is. Yes, you know where it is, because when you left the place, your friend said, over there, that's the Green Lane Hospital. Yeah, but I don't know how to go to the Green Lane Hospital. Yes, you do, because you're an inspector and you can ask the watch house to give you a car to take you to it. <laughs> Couldn't get out of it anymore. So, of course, at that time of life, Auckland, the patrol cars are all busy. I phoned the watch house and said, can you have a car for me? Yes, sir, 10 minutes. They drove me back. Where do you want to go? I said, Green Lane Hospital. Make sure nobody knows I go to those weirdos. I was in that meeting that night, and that night a lawyer spoke, Sir Lionel Lecou, his name was, fabulous speaker. I could listen to it because I can identify with a lawyer because I'm spending so much time in court myself, but I always got to do with lawyers every day, just about. But no, I was not going to get involved with this. I left the meeting again, and I was out in the foyer, and there were over a thousand people there that night. And was in among that crowd. And suddenly I was isolated from the crowd. I was there all by myself. And the presence of the Lord appeared before me. Saying, Rolf, it's your time now. I felt the love of God penetrate my innermost being after 36 years denying him. And I surrendered that night. It was something so incredible, I was floating almost, because suddenly I realized I had been in the presence of the living God. Little did I know what was going to follow. Right throughout New Zealand, right throughout Australia, right throughout the Fiji Islands, the Cook Islands, Japan, England, Holland, Germany. If anybody had ever said that, you were going to do that? Never, never. But one thing I found out, God is the only way. The, there's only one way. 
and it must be inbuilt in our spirit that we live daily the reality of Christ in me, the hope of glory. Hallelujah. That voice that Rolf heard, the one to, that told him to go back to that meeting, I wonder if you hear that voice too. That is the voice that tells you to do something that you don't want to do. The voice that speaks contrary to your fleshly nature. When I'm walking down Courtney Place and I, walk and I pass a homeless man bouncing a ball, looking for my money, there's two voices I hear. One voice is a voice that says, don't give him money because he'll probably just spend that on booze or drugs. And there's another voice that says, I wonder if he's had a meal today. Guess which one is God? The voice that is God is the one that's not selfish. The voice of God is the one that's not thinking about the booze I might spend that money on. The voice that acts first for compassion and love, that is the voice of God. And I find all the time I, I hear this voice calling me to do something I don't want to do. It might be to turn up for a prayer meeting when I'd rather just sleep in. But that's God's voice calling to me to something that could be very powerful because he wants to meet me or he wants to work through me and it's contrary to what my natural nature wants to do. And that's actually how I've come to, to distinguish God's voice. It's the voice that's least like me and more like the person that I want to be. So I'm very glad, Rolf, that you were obedient that day, that you recognised that voice and you obeyed because it is amazing what God has done through you. And those are the testimonies that I want. And so I want to learn to hear that voice like you did and obey so I don't miss out on whatever it is God has for me. Maybe Japan. Do we have any other testimonies? Um, yeah, I've got a quite a good one. I'll try to make it fast because I'm going to take your time of the presence that's here tonight, today, tonight, whatever, same thing. Anyway, I found myself in a dark place three times. Three times. How can you? How can you even listen to that voice? That it is so rude and it's so cruel. And however, you still crawl up next to it. I don't know how, but you do, don't you? It's like. You know, I've got two choices. I can do this or I can do that. It's like, no, yes, how simple it is. We don't know that sometimes. We can get confused. But then there is the um, obvious. It says, oh, that person treated you like crap. Go treat him like crap. It's like, you know exactly what you are supposed to do. You are supposed to love that person even though they just pretty much slapped your emotions in the face, right? So turn them to the other cheek. I've done it many times until there was a certain time and I just kept getting persecuted and I said, oh, this is your fault, God. I know this is your fault. And then for some reason, I felt myself withdrawing to the devil and I said, you're right and he's wrong. God is always persecuting us and he's always making us feel bad and it's always about him and da 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 And then I started, you know, getting that pride. I said, I'm being proud of you. This is bad. Sorry about the, the peace. <laughs> so what, what I, I, it was so hard for me to come back the thing that made me want to come back is that I felt something aching 
hurting me. And as I cried and said to myself, I don't like who I'm becoming because I got so angry. And I wanted to beat everyone. And thoughts were just unexplainable. And you know, what made me realize is it's that simple little tone of difference in the voices that you could tell apart, that sweet and calm voice saying, just come back. It's just that simple. I'm not going to say anything against you. I'm not going to force you to do anything. I'm not going to make you go faster. Just take things slow and just relax. And then rather than that, I kept turning. There was this one time, there's just this one time, because everything was going downhill. I had nothing, absolutely nothing. No job, no nothing, absolutely nothing. I'd just broken up with my girlfriend. We had a bad Christian relationship. It wasn't a Christian relationship, to be honest. But, and I had nothing, pretty much. Everyone hated me in my own household, and I had nothing. And I thought, man, I was thrown down in tears. I said, what am I supposed to do? And I was just taking out that emotion in the wrong way and perspective of things. Instead of turning to God, I kept turning back. But there was this one time that I felt this sudden like death feeling upon me and that I had to make a choice, otherwise I would fall and, I don't know, die because of the way I was treating myself and God. And that, to that time, God's, I felt God saying to me, come to church, I'll show you something that will change your mind forever and you won't turn back ever again. You'll just keep coming to me. You'll be so strong. And I believed it. I said, you better have a good man, otherwise I'm getting out of here for good. I don't care anymore. Got to church. Next thing you know, I'm the one crying on the ground saying, I'm sorry, God. What did I do? And yeah, so I gave my heart back to the Lord. And whilst the bad things happen to me now, they can't stop me. Because I feel so overwhelmed about the presence now. It's like, just one slight minute, and then God's going to change me. And that second, it's not, it's not about just... Oh, should I do it? Should I do it? Just stick there for one second without any interruptions, no noise. Boom! I believe it as you believe in it. And reading a scripture at the same time, make sure you choose one scripture, one verse, one of my favorites. I'll just finish up by saying this one. It's one of my favorites, literally. This is presence building amazement. In the same time, in the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. That is Matthew, Matthew 16, or 5.16, should I say. It's amazing because that I submit to God and that he submits to me and, and blesses me with what, what his light shines around me. Other people start questioning me, saying, what is, who is this guy? This guy is just different, and he's taking everything that I'm throwing at him. He's just not getting angry at me. What's going on? And that's when they turn to the Lord. And I can praise hallelujah to the Father. For my best friend is going to go to heaven with me. Well, not best friend, but a great friend. Amen? Awesome. Thanks, Thanks bro. Thank you for your boldness. The voice that tells you to go to church when you don't feel like it, that's probably God. Um, I'm not sure if the enemy wants you to spend too much time in the house of God. Uh, most of what we've been talking about tonight is more about encountering God yourself in your, uh, just in life. But there is a reason why we, we really encourage people to come and do this, to come here. Because there's something very special happens when a crowd of people gather with the same purpose, to encounter God. For the presence that is with each one of you comes here and it's like it's magnified. And so when people talk about you know, having a full-on experience, an encounter, and things start getting tangible... That doesn't surprise me when that happens in a public meeting like this because we all bring in the presence of God with us 
And it's like in that unity, as our hearts connect around reaching out to God, amazing things happen. It's in that unity, together seeking God. And so I love this place and I love these services because I get something extra. But I can't live on that. I can't live on, on, on this. I can't live on a warm feeling through singing a few songs. I need something every day or else it just becomes religion. And my, my walk with God can't be based on an experience in a service any more than my relationship with my wife can be based on the date we have every couple of months. That is so right. There is nothing that is too much for our God. God can meet us in our despair and that God can meet us in our anger. Uh, most of the psalms that you, that you hear read here and we preach on are generally lovely psalms that have an encouraging or a good challenging word. What we don't often preach on is the large number of psalms where David is terrified and when David is angry and confused at God because he doesn't understand why God won't just act and take care of his enemies like he should. There's lots of psalms like that, but we don't tend to use them because yeah, it's hard to preach that kind of stuff. 
But what I learned from those is that God can meet us wherever we are. God gets us when we're angry. He understands why we are and he can deal with it. He can deal with our anger, whether it's misplaced or not. He can deal with our despair. He can deal with our confusion. He wants to meet us where we're at and then walk us through this stuff. So don't feel like you, know, you have to wait till everything's rosy before you can connect with God. He wants us however we are so that he can pull us out, whether we've got a rope around our neck or we're putting a rope around someone's neck. Got a little story. Um, the reason I come forward is because it illustrates the point uh, quite well. Uh, so this is a little story that happened to me in November last year, and the consequences of it is I ended up with an iPad. So, um, <laughs> but um, anyway, one one day Jesus uh, he just uh, appeared to me, and I, I could see him very clearly in front of me, face to face. And uh, I can't actually remember the exact details of when and how, but anyway, it happened, and he was there, and I could see him as clearly as I can see you now. Um, and he just wanted to—he just chatted to me and told me a few things about myself, and you know, and some things he wanted me to know. Um, but the following day, I was retelling the story, and uh, I realised that uh, as I was retelling it that he was on the other side of the fence, and I could only see. Uh, from here up and I thought I don't like that he's on the other side of the fence I want to be on the same side of the fence as he is I don't want to be on this side of the fence when he's on the other side so um, I thought about that and I thought about well what represents his body you know I couldn't see his body and immediately it became obvious what it was his people Um, so I asked him what why that was why couldn't I see your body and uh, he took a memory and he came to mind uh, when I was a child and I was made fun of at school and uh, I was always left to last and my name was never on the list. So that memory, I then, uh, I then uh, confessed that to the Lord and, uh, and forgave those people. But the interesting thing was, uh, two hours later, three hours later, I got a phone call and uh, and the person said, here, I've uh, I've got an iPad here for you. And I said, I think you've got the wrong name. You know, I think you've got the wrong person. And they said, "Uh, are you Toby Dernie? And I said, yes. And they said, well, your name's on the list. Do you want it or not? (laughs) So so God moved that quickly. However, that wasn't the end of the story. A few weeks later, um, I was having my quiet time. It was early in the morning. And I just said, Lord... You know, I want to minister to you today. I don't want to bring any prayers or any requests. I just want to sit here and I just want to minister to you. What can I do for you today? And um, all of a sudden I entered his presence. And uh, however it works, I don't really know, but anyway, we met. Father God was there and uh, I was in heaven with him. And I said... uh, we did some stuff together and you know, Father God told me some stuff that, um, that he wanted me, again, that he wanted me to know. And then Jesus appeared and the interesting thing is uh, that he, he had a big smile on his face and he said, didn't I promise you that I would bring you to the Father? But the um, interesting thing was that I could actually see all of them this time. So uh, I wanted to tell that little story just to illustrate the point that, um, you know, 
There's unforgiveness. Often we can have unforgiveness or wounds that actually block and, uh, and sometimes lies that actually are in our mind that actually stop us uh, and keep us separate from God. So, you know, it's a journey for us all as we deal with the, the things that are in the way that we can actually enter God's presence and uh, well, in a more intimate way. The, uh, you know, we're talking about how do we find ourselves into the uh, into hearing the Lord's voice. At the end of the day, I guess it's as simple as you need to make a choice. And I know in my own life, uh, having been brought up in a Catholic family but not having an intimate relationship with the Lord at all, certainly not knowing him personally, <clears throat> getting to a point where I was making a pretty safe bet with God, it's always really a one-sided bet but anyway, that I wouldn't actually need to have anything to do with him in case, uh, unless a few, in my mind anyway, major miracles were going to happen. Well, in God's plan, those major miracles did happen. And then one day, out of the blue, and I, I can see clearly where I was sitting in a van at a, an intersection, the Lord spoke. No, I mean, remember, I wasn't in an intimate relationship with him at all. Uh, so I hadn't learned how to hear God's voice. But man, I knew it was God speaking, who just said, well, what's your choice? And I was thinking, what's my choice about what? And, I thought, and then, I mean, when I think about it now, it's like bizarre. I mean, what was I even asking myself? I wasn't thinking about God or anything, but suddenly, in my mind, and it wasn't, you know, what's your choice? You know, it was my voice. Well, what's your decision? What's my decision what? Well, you made a, made a pledge with me. If you were ever going to get married, you're going to make a choice for me or against me. So, what's your choice? Oh, uh, um, I mean, now when I think about it, it's bizarre. I'm having this conversation, that intersection in the van. You know, I mean, they'd probably be lining up with a white jacket to take me away if they knew what was happening in here. Well, they probably still would, but anyway. <laughs> you know, they, and it's, oh, uh, well, I don't know. Uh, what, what do I believe? Well, I believe in God and Jesus. Well, if I believe in God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, I believe in the devil. Um, where's God? He's in heaven. Where's the devil? Well, he's in hell. Oh, I don't want to be in hell. I want to be in heaven. Oh, well, how do you get to heaven? Uh, I don't know. You'd be a Christian. All right. Well, what do Christians do? Um, Christians read a Bible and go to church. Oh, well, what's your choice? I'll be a Christian. <laughs> I'll read my Bible and I'll go to church. There's a church. They'll have a Bible. It was right opposite me at the intersection. So I shot on there. But the point I'm getting at is that make a choice. You know, one thing that we've had uh, been brought up in, in, our, in the messages here is talk about intimacy. You know, the funny thing is, to get intimacy, you actually have to be intimate. And so, you know, I want intimacy with my God. And I was blessed. Uh, one day, when you have kids... There's something that happens in your life that God's able to speak through you in a particular way as a parent that he starts to express what his father heart nature is, a parent nature is, and you see it in your children. And um, 
and as I was playing with my kids one day, God clearly just reversed it. He spun that around and he said, see that baby? See the father on the ground holding the baby up in the air? This is that baby's you, Paul. And that father is me and that's how I hold you. And I've, I've, it's always stuck with me. And knowing him as father, and one thing as I read through scripture, I saw, it, it just sort of dawned on me one day, Lord, it seems to me, you, there are two things I see here. You came to uh, pay a price, a sacrifice for me. And two, you came to show me how to have a relationship with the father. You talked with him and you walked with him and you listened to him and you were intimate with him. Well, if he called you father or dad, then I'll call you dad until I know you as dad. So I made a choice, a decision in my life. I'm going to do this until I know it because I see it. And it's not sort of hyper faith or anything. It's just simply, Lord, I want what he, you're showing me. And I, I, so I made a choice. I want to I know you as my father. It's when he showed me that, that image. And I grow in that uh, developing of understanding him as my heavenly dad. And that's grown on with the, uh, this drive for intimacy, to quietly wait on him, to listen. How do I hear? How do I hear my father speak to me? <laughs> You're so right. It's usually the thing that I don't want to do. Actually, don't plug your iPhone in your ear, Paul. Go and talk to that guy at the end of the train station. Oh, that's odd. He looks a bit odd. I'll put it in my ear. Go and talk to him. Yeah, it's not. Go and talk to him. It's my voice. Mm. Here's how I hear the Father. That's what I want to develop. Mm. That's what I, I want to grow into more and more. So it leads to the the guy that nobody else would ever talk to. Or something's bizarre. I certainly don't want to stand on my head on the coat stand that Greg talked about. <laughs> but I want to train myself to continually walk with him and hear his voice. It's so true. When you talk about a choice, one of the things that Lizzie and I talk about with couples when we take them through marriage preparation, we talk about how uh, a marriage isn't a choice that you make on your wedding day. It makes you legally married, but you need to make that choice every single day. If you want to grow in your marriage, you want that to thrive, every day you decide, I am married, and that means this, that I give myself to my wife or my husband, and I'll be there for them and be what they need me to be. So that means every day I have to make a choice that I am going to be who Leslie needs me to be, and I'm going to listen to her, and not just listen to the words, but listen to all that stuff that is under the words. But I will make that choice, and it's the same with our walk with the Lord. We, we might have made a decision one day that we would receive Christ as our saviour and that legally justifies us before God to, when we put our faith in him. But a relationship with God is not that decision. It's the decision that we make today. Will I follow him today? Will I seek him today? Will I listen for his voice today? We make that choice you talked about every day. And sometimes we need to make it several times a day as we drift off and go in another direction. What you said was good. Do we have any, um, any more before we um, close it up?
when I was 17, I was told that I was bipolar and had anxiety disorder. Um, this is actually kind of scary. <laughs> um, through the prayers of my mum, obedient at 3 o'clock in the morning when she got woken up by God, um, she had no idea, but she's up here, has never really lived anywhere else except growing up in Nelson, and I was in Dunedin. And she had no idea, but I was thinking of killing myself that night. Through her prayers, three days later, my doctor started weaning me off my medications, and I've been off meds for seven years now on doctor's orders only. Don't recommend anybody going home and just taking yourself off it. But um, I still have anxiety attacks from time to time, and I've found that if I really examine myself, those are the times that I've got so busy doing the things that God has called me to do, but I've been doing them in my own strength. And in those times, the only ways that I've found that I can get back into doing them in his strength is actually through music. Um, I'll go home and I actually look forward to it when I'm at work and I'm stressing out. I just kind of go, it's okay, you're going to be going home, you're going to crank up some songs. Um, I actually ask God before I pop my headphones in because I don't want to disturb my flatmates too much. Um, I ask him to pick the song, chuck it on random, it's amazing what he comes up with. Um, I've got so much music that is just available digitally. Um, this, the file size is so small now, you can, it, random just comes up with awesome, awesome stuff. And the things that he says, and then I listen to one, maybe two songs. Often I'll sing at the top of my lungs and then kind of hope my flatmates aren't home. Um, I'll just cry, you know, snot, tears everywhere, kind of crying. Um, I'll often lie down on my bed just spread out, just totally enjoying his presence at that moment in time. And recently, one of the things that I was crying out to him about is I felt it's unfair the way I've been treated at work, that I'm being taken advantage of, that um, I'm carrying a rather heavy workload where there's two of us doing an area of work and the other guy, just the way that he works, can't pick up as much work as I and carry it. And I felt that that was going unnoticed and that that was just wrong. Um, and I was praying about it and God led me to, Jer to Joshua and he said, and the Lord said to Joshua, and me, <laughs> today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel so they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. And it just really spoke to me that no matter what, at some point, and it wasn't that day, <laughs> um, he was going to exalt me in the eyes of my management so that they would know that God was with me just as he was with Moses. And a few days later, I got a letter from the CEO of Telstra Clear. This doesn't happen, by the way. Handwritten by him, hand-signed by him, thanking me for some of the work that I'd done for one of our clients. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Just very quickly, but one of the breakthroughs for me was actually having a revelation of who God was. And I think that's more important than anything else because, you know, as I prayed, I, I, I started going through the names of God. I started looking at him because my concept of who God was was really wrong. But when I came to understand who he was and his love towards me, it changed everything. And over the years, you know, I discovered who I was in him. And when you discover who you are in him, suddenly, you know, you can come boldly before the throne of grace. You can come before God knowing that he accepts you and loves you for who, he, who you are. And that's how I connect with God because I don't have to come groveling to him. I don't have to come crawling to him. 
I can come before him because I know he accepts me. And the amazing thing is that I used to have such a terrible view of who I was that prevented myself from coming close to God. And I was putting the barrier up, God wasn't. But when I saw how my Heavenly Father really saw me and I discovered who I was in Christ, everything changed. And what I found too is that God wants to reveal things to you. He wants to reveal things to you. He wants to connect with you and bring you into a place of showing you things, revealing things. It's the most exciting thing you can see. And when you come into that, you're like, the word started opening up and changing everything. Things started speaking to me. And the wonderful thing is God wants to speak to you as well. And then he wants to show you things. I, I see things in the word that I've never seen before. And I, I ask him, Lord, how do you want me to pray? And then I can declare it and decree it because he's shown me how he wants it. Just like Ezekiel and the dry bones. And there's something happens on the inside of you because you're actually declaring and decreeing what God sees. And it changes your whole life. And I want to encourage you because God's interested in you. And as together as a family, you know, he loves you and accepts you for who you are and he wants to reveal so much more to you. It's the most exciting journey you can ever take. Thank you. Years ago, I was a um, student in an art school, and as it got to the end of the year, and there was, uh, I had to look for work, and uh, so I got my little push bike out and pushed my by myself to uh, Nelson, and uh, said, uh, I'll get up to Mapua, and I was a bit, um, a little bit grumpy because I hadn't found anything on the way, and I was at this campsite, and I was sleeping in, the, in my little tent and uh, in the morning there's uh, Tui sitting above me in the tree chirping away and I wanted to sleep and then I told my husband, I was going, go on can you tell that bird to shut up and all I heard was Lord sing back to me and this bird said sing a new song unto the Lord sing a new song <laughs> oh no <laughs> Yeah, so, so that's, um, you know, the Lord speaks through his creation. Um, <laughs> yeah. hmm. Okay, oh, you want to say something else? No. Okay, so, I just wanted to encourage people, like, to really be expectant, really expect God to speak, because I find the more that I expect him to speak, he does. And it's not always the way you think. It can be in all sorts of different ways. It can be in creation or it can be an email or a something, but I find often too that he'll speak in recurring themes um, depending on what, what you're going through. Just um, I've had several times where it's just been like in 24-hour periods of time God suddenly spoken something and it'll be the same thing, like maybe it's rest or something like that. But... The reason I didn't used to hear this stuff is I was afraid and fear, I think, can keep you from wanting to hear God because you don't know what he might say to you or he might require too much. So, um, But that's actually not the case. He's so loving and um, he just wants to speak because he loves us. 
So I just want to encourage you to actually expect him to speak to you in your days. Okay, thanks for everyone who, who shared. And I am confident that if we all took a minute, we could all think of the ways that we have encountered God and the ways that he, he speaks to us and the way we can tune ourselves into engaging with him more. What I want to just finish with now, if, if you're cool with it, is just if we could pray for each other and pray over each other, that we'd be able to receive some of the things that we talked about tonight, some of these revelations, like the faithfulness of God, uh, that would enable us uh, to trust in him and trust that he is there with us and trust that he's going to come through for us so that we can still this crazy world around us, that we could uh, break free from this paradigm we are locked in uh, to actually find a space where there is no noise or less noise and make those sacrifices so that we can actually hear his voice. Uh, pray for each other that we would continue to develop a, a passion for him and a hunger for his voice, uh, a thirst for uh, his presence. That song um, that, that we were just singing, uh, A Lover of Your Presence, I love the song and I love those words, but I really want them to be real for me. Because uh, sometimes I think, am I really a lover of his presence? I, g- I agree with the principle, but what in my life is actually demonstrating a conviction for that? So I want people to pray for me that I would be desperate for God's presence. Because when I am, I am confident that that will change things in my life. When I'm looking for motivation to turn the TV off or turn the stereo off, if I am passionate for him and thirsty for his presence, I'm motivated. Okay, So clearly some things need to change inside me. So I want you to pray for me. I want someone to lay hands on me. Uh, and I expect that there might be some people who feel the same way. So I'm looking for those kind of breakthroughs. I want to have a deeper revelation of his faithfulness. Uh, and I want him, uh, I guess, to break through all the barriers that I put up because I know they're all in my head. So um, I thought that maybe we could pray those things over each other uh, if you're called to do that. And then maybe I thought we could finish with um, just the clearing that he is faithful, and that we could walk out the door just holding on to that. He is faithful. He will never leave me or forsake me. He will stay with me no matter what. Does that sound all right? All right. Let's get our prey on. All right. Do you, do you know what you're praying? Cool. In fact, yeah, I was thinking we could just, we'd just pray with the people that are around us. In fact, you could even ask if there's something specific within this context Ask people if there's something that they, um, they might want you to pray, just so we can nail it. And then we'll do this song. Is that cool? You've been very patient. Thank you. Cheers.